Greetings and welcome to What's Wrong With Wolfie. My name is Jason. I'm Rich. And I'm Chris. This time we're talking digitizer and teletext. So just at the top of the show, I just want to say thanks to our lovely supporters, Andrew and Tristian, who continue to back us for some mad reason. And if you wish to do the same, then you can do so by heading on over to patreon.com forward slash the Wolfie pod, where you'll find three lovely tiers to choose from, starting from just a pound. Um, boys, we've got, we've got another guest. This is like two guests in a row. This is like a record for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this time around, I mean, I know our, our guest last time, the good old Cliff, he was, uh, he was obviously very special. Um, I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm just putting myself in, <laughs> just digging a hole here. And, you know, I need to stop because otherwise I'm just going to dig it even <laughs> deeper. So, <laughs> Cliff, mate, if you're listening, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it in the way that that sounded. <laughs> okay. What are you going to say about me when I'm I not know, here right? next week? <laughs> You're a top bloke and you were a, a great guest on our show and we would love to have you back at some point. So please, you know, don't, yeah, I'm just going to shut up. Uh, <coughs> um, yeah, so, um, but this time around, we've got an even more special guest and um, we are honoured to welcome to the show an author a screenwriter, a producer, and mastermind behind Digitizer. These days, you will find him smashing the record for how much people on Kickstarter are willing to pay for human hair. <laughs> he is, he is, he is the one and only Paul Rose. But as Hello. we affectionately know him as Mr. Biffo. Yes, sorry, I, I interjected too quickly then, didn't you I? Did. I should, have, should have waited for the hello. Uh, hello. Oh, there we are. I'll do it now. Hello. Hello. <laughs> it's it's the real Mr. Biffo. It's We're, the real Mr. Biffo. We, yes. we haven't just um, employed a sound alike or impersonator uh, to 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 pretend it's Paul Rose because it's not. It's the actual Paul Rose. It's the actual me. I'm not a deep fake. No. <laughs> And what other characters he decides to bring on tonight? <laughs> yeah, I'm actually secretly that that Tom Cruise. You know the one on. Uh, <laughs> so I am. <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> we just need to put sound bites of uh, the other Paul saying, "I fucking hate this." <laughs> there we go. Um, how you doing? Yeah, how you doing, Paul? Are you, uh, everything good? Yes, everything's very well, thank you. Um, Yes, I haven't really got any complaints. Excellent. Which I suppose you didn't really want that either. Do that's you? you don't want me to sit in... and start reading off things that... I've got slight arthritis in my fingers at the moment. That's developed in the last month. That's fun. Sorry, I'm, I've genuinely <laughs> gone off on one. Um, fun, <laughs> How's the boiler, Paul? How's the boiler? Oh, oh, don't start. No, don't start on the boiler. They definitely no, got back to me about it. Um, I'm Good. fuming. Fuming. Yeah, they're bastards. These yeah. things always go at the wrong time of the year. Yeah, well, God, last year was even worse. The was it? Yeah, you, you week think before they'd make boilers to last through winter, wouldn't you? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's the point no. of them, right? <laughs> it's like we, they almost like build it in to make sure that they break at this time of year. Yeah, exactly. what they call it, uh, inbuilt obsolescence or something, yeah. don't they? It's got a mm-hmm. phrase. What, what the uh, conspiracy for Apple and Samsung and all the other exactly. leading tech giants, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah, your device will fuck up in 18 months to 32 months, so you have to buy a new one. Yeah. Fuck yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. 
they know. Um, so I'm, I'm quite intrigued, Paul, on, on what happened last year to your to your boiler. Uh, well, it wasn't the boiler; it was the pipes <laughs> below the boiler. Last oh, no. I, I had a burst pipe and attempt, but well, it was a leaking pipe that I attempted to fix and proceeded to uh, rupture it entirely. <laughs> <laughs> back room flooded, and it's like this is why I don't do DIY. I mean, it was it was awful. I managed to cut my hand open doing it. I was soaked. The, the room was flooded. I mean, I was literally close to tears. And then we <laughs> we called out a, a plumber. This is. I'm not shitting you here. The plumber's name is Mario. Uh, <laughs> turned up, and it was like this day can't get any more bizarre or surreal. And anyway, I mean, yeah, that was weird. Uh, Perfect. Yeah. Okay, so um, if anyone's listened to this, I mean, I hope that they would know who you are and your history and you know what you do. But in case anyone's like learning about the '90s and they've, they've for some reason chosen our show to to do so. Um, can you can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, about your back history, uh, and what you're getting up to these days? Yeah, uh, well, the thing most people seem to know me for is Digitizer, which was uh, a channel for games magazine that started in 1993, I think, and ran for ten years, and then uh, I bought it back about six years ago, something like that, as a website. And then gradually we sort of migrated onto YouTube and started doing silly videos. And, um, you yeah, know, we did a series called Digitizer the Show that mm-hmm. uh, was a video game, you know, uh, show, but for YouTube. Uh, and then we sort of drifted away a bit from video games. But, but now we've just launched this Kickstarter, kind of going back to, to doing a second series of Digitizer the Show, um, which is, it's a, it's a telly version of what Digitizer was back in the day, which was a, which was as much about silly characters and uh, getting double entendres uh, past the editors and stuff as it was <laughs> as it was about video games. Uh, and my day job is I write kids TV. Um, that's what I do to pay the bills. Uh, although I haven't done much of that over the last year, <laughs> thanks to uh, thanks to the pandemic. So that's been fun. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, um, as you mentioned there, and as we alluded in the uh, intro, you're halfway through your incredibly successful Kickstarter campaign for Digitizer Series 2. Uh, you must be quite blown away by the response so far. It's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. I mean, I think I think we we, we, we were asking for 25 grand initially, and we got that within the first two hours, more or less. Yeah. And then the, we were not expecting to... Uh, to get that much really or we were kind of we, we kind of thought we'd probably get about that but uh we've we've done as it stands at the moment uh, which is halfway through the campaign we're, we're yeah. on about 65 grand and that's 20 grand more than we got last time and we've still got two weeks to go so Amazing. um we did not expect it people have just been stupidly generous mm-hmm. um and I don't know. I don't know what, what, why, what, why this one they've kind of gone, yeah, yeah, let's all get behind this and chuck loads of money out of it. I, don't, I can't wrap my head around it, really. Um, but, you know, we'll try and reward them uh, as best we can. Sure. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm a backer myself. So, uh, oh, yeah, bless you. Me too. Mm-hmm. Oh, you guys. I know. You guys. So, so you better not let us down, right? Uh, none of you went for the hair, then. Oh, uh, well, of course not. No. <laughs> It's, it's sold out. It's sold out. Yeah, it was too slow. 
I could do with some extra hair, so I was a bit gutted. Okay. <laughs> I'll set some aside for you. For oh, you. Cheers, mate. Special I should, have, I should have bought some to you know, get a beard going, yeah? Anything to, <laughs> you go. Any, yeah, yeah. Anything to start it, you know what I mean? I, I could do beard fillings as a halfway through kind of stretch goal or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that would probably sell, Paul. It would probably go, mate. It probably would. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I mean, as you just mentioned, stretch goals. Have you um, added any um, extra goals on, or are you, are you planning to add any more on before the campaign ends? Uh, we well, the next one's at seventy grand. So mm-hmm. whether we get it, who knows? Um, I mean, we've got some. I mean, the one I'm really looking forward to. Well, there's two. There's a, a visit from a monkey where we're going <laughs> to get a monkey in the studio, and then we did another stretch goal, was, which was a visit from an even a slightly larger monkey. <laughs> Um, and we're going to do it. We're genuinely going to do that. We're going to get some monkeys in and have them on the set. Because uh, that's like my Christ. dream. It's my dream. I want to meet that a is, monkey. That's... <laughs> <laughs> we've all seen live TV and animals what could possibly go wrong with a couple exactly. of monkeys yeah. exactly well this this is sort of our format really is what we do is you know whether it's we're doing a live show or anything we try to bake failure into what the ideas are so we Perfect. we'll rehearse the ideas but, but not quite enough and we'll yeah. make it we'll make everything slightly too complicated uh, deliberately so It'll probably go wrong, but we won't deliberately make it go wrong because then it comes across as fake. Uh, and, you know, we'll still have the, the surprise of, oh, it, it went wrong, but not in the way I sure. expected it. So uh, that's the monkeys are perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Just don't kill one of them, for God's sake. No, uh, we, we won't kill a monkey on, on, on <laughs> I, You have my promise here and now that we won't kill. Kill either of the monkeys. <laughs> That's a serious three. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got right. My pledge. Yeah. Boys. Or at least all sign an NDA if something happens. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This doesn't leave this house. <laughs> yeah, I should. I should say. Yeah, we. Uh, you won't know whether we've killed no. a monkey. That's for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, boys, we have our exclusive at least. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Paul, did you have a good idea early on um, how Digi would work as a TV show in the modern era? And um, did you feel compelled in any way to look at what's popular today, um, such as YOLO, Fortnite and vaping? Uh, uh, um, yeah, don't, don't do anything that's popular today with kids, basically. Um, it's, it's, yeah, we, we um, I don't know, we... Did I have an idea? Yeah, I did, I suppose. I had an idea of what I wanted to see, which is something that was just like stupid and didn't take the, the topic of video games too seriously. Because, I, I don't know, I, I struggle a little bit with some of the stuff on YouTube that deals mm-hmm. with sort of old games. It's, sort of, it's a little bit too dry for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to be entertained first and foremost and sort of, you know, then informed seventh or eighth you know? <laughs> I just, you know, for, so number one for me entertainment um, sure. and then two to three is monkeys and then you know further down the list of importance is, is information yeah I, I like that because like you say you know some some youtubers do take it too seriously and i think that's one of the that's one of the things i really enjoy about your content on youtube is that you don't take yourself that seriously and, it, and it's just fun just, yeah, just I hope fun so. to watch, you know, and, and it's it's just a laugh, really, isn't it? 
Well, it's changed. Well, the, what we sort of have done on the channel has changed a bit over the last year because of because of what happened with lockdown. Because I was mm-hmm. making videos with um, a guy called Paul Gannon, who um, was a member of Barshams and does the Cheap Show podcast, mm-hmm. uh, and then we couldn't get together. So I ended up starting to, uh, starting to do videos with my wife Sanya. Um, mm-hmm. And we really enjoyed them, but they, we, we kind of made them a little bit chattier and more sort of, I don't know, like like mates sat on a sofa mm. hanging out with you is what we tried to do. But we yeah. then, so that's become kind of the backbone of the channel. But then we do these specials like we'll do uh, Supernatural World where we go out and try to find ghosts or UFOs or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we've got a Halloween special coming up that we're doing. So, uh so yeah, well, I can't remember what you asked me now. I've just I've just started rambling. Oh, doesn't take itself too seriously. Yeah, we don't take ourselves too seriously. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's there's a lot of bickering, good natured bickering sure. between whether it's me and Sanya or whether it's me and Paul Gannon. Uh, we bicker a lot, a lot of us. Yeah, there were some good examples of that on your Teddy Ruskin. Oh, yeah. oh, uh, oh I watched that the other night. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did shout at her quite a lot on that one. I think, uh, I think the one that's gone up today. Like, is it? Did I call her? I call her a shout. I call her a coward because um, she wouldn't. We had these horrible drinks from Japan, mm-hmm. uh, and she oh, was yes. refusing to finish hers. So I was, uh, I was berating her for that. <laughs> it comes across as bullying, I know. And the thing is, some some people do take it at face value, uh, and I I have to sometimes go, look, it's not real. Sure. You know, I, if we were genuinely having a domestic, I would not put that on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, I was, if I was genuinely an abusive yeah. husband, she wouldn't want it on YouTube. She'd leave me, and rightly so. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No, I saw that one drop today, and uh, quite excited. I've not had a chance to watch it yet, but. Um... I'm quite looking forward to that one. You, how, how did you like find those drinks in the UK? Did you get them sent over? Yeah, I can't remember where I found them. I've had them actually quite a while. Um, so I mean, maybe that's why they tasted so disgusting, because they've been sitting in my wardrobe. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm not sure. I saw the, the French fries one, which we tasted, which is just beyond rank. It was, it's horrible. I can't. Uh, I can't imagine what it would. Uh, soggy potatoes. Well, what it tastes like is. I mean, spoilers, but uh, <laughs> it, it, it's you know when you have to soak potatoes before roasting them, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. to kind of get the starch off. It tastes basically like, well, how I imagine that water to taste like. <laughs> so kind of raw potato water. It's mm. just. It was awful. <laughs> awful. And it. Do, I mean, do you know if this, these are quite a popular drink in Japan? No. Well, we've had some people commenting, sort of saying they're novelty drinks, which sure. is what we figured. Uh, you know, because one of them's like like ramen flavour, so it's like tastes like beef noodles. Um, that that was bad as well. Uh, but no, they're they're more. You know, I don't know. I don't know what the equivalent of here here is. Is I suppose when walkers do like fish and chip flavour, yeah. limited edition crisps. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, not nice. Some of the worst things I've ever, ever had in my mouth. <laughs> Steady. And it's all, on, it's all on video. It's all on video, yeah. Not the worst. The worst was, uh, and Gannon and I, we did um, a jerky taste test. Oh, okay. Uh, and we, oh man, alive. There were some bad things there. There was, um, I mean, we did too many for a start. <laughs> I got like about like fifteen different jerkies. And there were things like like turtle jerky, genuinely oh, like snapping turtle jerky. But that one was all right. Christ. 
the 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 worst two were um well basically balls testicles <laughs> jerky all they were were just like flattened bollocks um <laughs> and then the, the the absolute worst one was was earthworm jerky which were just dehydrated earthworms and just wow. the, the aftertaste of those was just beyond See, awful I, I can't imagine doing that by choice like we've got a bag of mealworms for our hamster like, oh, you, it's just the equivalent of de- putting your hand in there and eating like potato chips isn't it so well we just, yeah yeah no no well why i don't know attention yeah yeah <laughs> nutrition yeah yeah well, would... we're all, all going to be eating insects eventually so yeah true. <laughs> i mean well, i mean i wouldn't even know where to begin to find that kind of jerky. I mean, I, I, I quite enjoy a bit of beef jerky. Um, it's pretty nice, but you know, um, I, I obviously you're not going to pop down your local Tesco's to pick up some um, some turtle jerky, are you? Well, there was. It's a company called I think the Newport Jerky Company. Um, they did most of them, and then I think I got the earthworm jerky from somewhere else. You just look, you just look online for like weird jerky <laughs> or <a> unique jerky. <laughs> you just, yeah, look up weird jerky. What kind of stuff is going to turn up? Just, just go, go on YouTube and type in bollocks. Yeah, <laughs> bollocks, please. Weird enough, I bet you can find that that stuff in like Harrods or Selfridges. They sell that random nasty yeah, shit. Or we Iceland, went, probably. Or Iceland, yeah. Instead <laughs> <laughs> so we from went, Iceland, it'd be beige. Yeah, <laughs> food's beige. Yeah. Taste of wet napkins yeah. yeah so we went to was it harrods or selfridges and had like deep fried tarantula and it's just like wow uh, no, no. Uh, no why no. why because it's an exotic delicacy is it well apparently you just see this stuff being sort of sold on the side of the roads in thailand and yeah because like that's that. all they can afford it's pauper's food isn't it that shit <laughs> and then the, then the rich and famous go and make it trendy and then it becomes delicacy it's like who the fuck would eat snails fuck off what yeah. <laughs> snails are bad i mean yeah uh, I, I agree have, you have had snails yes. you have had escargot yes snails. never never yeah my family lived in lives in France or half of them do oh. um, I kind of as a kid I've grown up around that kind of stuff but I've tried them once or twice and it's just it's just like in a garlic flavoured bogey with a bit of snot hanging <laughs> off of it it's mm. just, well, just when I had them uh, it was you're right they only they mainly just tasted the garlic which they kind of yeah. co- cooked yeah. in but the thing that I and I had flashbacks to it because I was a bit drunk when I had them and I remember swallowing one, and its eye stalks were sticking out as I was, you know, when, I was <laughs> when I picked it out of the shell. And uh. I felt the eye stalks going down, running down my throat um, mm. as I swallowed it. And the next day, I was like, it was like I had PTSD yeah. eating these bloody snails. Um, all I could remember were these eye stalks tickling my throat. Oh. Awful. Ugh. Oh. Never no. again. No. 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 Well, that was. Uh... Interesting tangent. Yeah. yeah, sorry about <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> on the ups, on the on the ups, on the upside, frogs' legs are quite pleasant, actually. They're all right, aren't they? They're just like they kind of they're uh, like mini chicken legs. That's yeah, exactly what you don't like. get a lot of meat on them, but they are <laughs> no, quite nice. No, no. It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Not, not tried one. monkey yet, though. <laughs> well, get, no, give it get time. into the bushmeat trade, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's who's for. Monkey jerky, oh my god. Oh, well <laughs> god. Um let, let let's uh let, let's stop tangenting and uh, let, let's let's 
wind the podcast. You're, t- you're telling Paul to stop tangent. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm king of tangents, I'm afraid. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, you, this is why you and Chris are getting on so well, because Chris is the king of tangents as well. So. Oh, God, two of us together. That's oh, never a good sign. Go, go, go off the track for hours, and then without foul, go back to the exact same spot that I left <laughs> to explain the four other things I've got around. And then go on a new tangent. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, let, let's wind the clock back a bit, shall we? Let, let, let's get back on track. Um, we didn't get Paul. Here, well, I mean, we did get Paul here to talk about interesting things, um, but we also wanted to talk to him about digitizer and teletext. So, um, we kind of want to know what were you up to prior to working on teletext, and what led you getting involved in that and ultimately creating digitizer. Um, well, I start first job I had out of school was working for Labbrooks Racing in their mm-hmm. head office and that's where I learned how to it was as a graphic designer basically um, and uh, that's where I learned sort of teletext graphics because their in-store betting service which I kind of did animations of horses running and stuff like that on um, on the screens for their, their shops it was a very sort of similar system to teletext and they had teletext pages or oracle as it was called back then mm. so so I learned um how to sort of deal with quite chunky pixels uh, mm. <laughs> there. And then from there, I kind of went to really chunky pixels and got a job at Wembley Stadium doing graphics for the scoreboard. Um, oh, okay. And the pixels there were literally, it was the weirdest thing, because as, well as, as, well as, uh, as well as doing sort of the, the animations and the, actually scoring the matches was one of, one of our things that we had to do. Um, we also had to maintain the scoreboard, and that meant kind of going over to the, the scoreboard across this basically really thin plank of wood oh, kind no. of, you know 150 feet above the stadium and and changing if there was a dead pixel you had to go and change it out and the pixels each of them was basically just a light bulb that you unscrewed and screwed a new one in it was like oh, wow. so basic um, and while I was there then I got a call from um, the editor of Teletext which was just starting up or kind of in the process of starting up taking over from Oracle uh, and they needed a graphics person and someone that I'd worked with at Labbrooks had uh, recommended me to him and that was it really so I got a job there uh, as Teletext graphics guy and they were asking people to suggest ideas for magazine sections on the service and I suggested a video games section and they sort of said well fine okay well you can write it (laughs) Um, so I ended up accidentally becoming kind of a a games (laughs) journalist while also still doing my kind of graphics uh, at the same time which didn't take long because I mean you know look at teletext you know you didn't it wasn't uh, they weren't very complex images (laughs) I I generally had to do yeah I was always quite impressed though with with what, what you could put on or get onto teletext graphics wise and yeah i mean there's a guy called steve horsley horsenberger on on twitter who is kind of the master he was actually i went to school with him and i got him a job at teletext and now he's a kind of considered mr teletext uh because it still exists as like an art form and he does some amazing art but generally the graphic designer at teletext didn't get to do kind of full page images it was just uh, little kind of icons in the corner of pages and you, you know it was uh, apart from the comic strip Turn of the World which I also wrote for the mm-hmm. kids pages that there wasn't a lot of call for kind of big graphics that, that, that were particularly complex hmm 
No, that's interesting. It's like, how was the, um, what was like the process? I mean, uh, something that's always kind of intrigued me about Teletext as well, like getting it from the computer you were using to get it onto the service. Was it quite an awkward thing to do? Was it quite easy? Uh, no, it was it was piece of cake. Uh, if I mean, you can people can try it out for themselves. There's a website called edit.tf, uh, which um, set up by a guy called Simon Rawls, which is a, a teletext online teletext editor. Um, so you can try it out, and it explains how to do it down the right. sort of left hand side of the screen. And uh, it's basically each uh, the screen is made up of blocks, obviously, but the blocks are kind of six. Uh, two by six or two by three pixels so six pixels in total in each block um, and a cursor makes up a whole block and then QWASZX uh, you'd press Q if you want like the top left corner of the, the block to fill in um, and and so on so I mean yeah people should go and have a go of it at edit.tf it, it's, um, it's it's fun I like I always like the limitations of it because uh, it forces you to be kind of more creative and um, you know get uh, get clever. Yeah, um, Paul. Speaking of creative, I mean, one of the things Digitizer was best known for was his characters. Had the likes of Fat Sal, the man with the long chin, and the man's daddy. Had they been long gestating in your brain, or were they something you conceived as <laughs> digital? Well, all of them. <laughs> None of them were, they were, they were all meant to be just throwaway things. Because I worked with uh, Tim Moore, who I wrote Digitizer with for the first three and a half, four years, something yeah. like that. He, uh, we were just trying to make each other laugh. And so the characters, and because I, I could do graphics, I could draw the characters and give them a stupid name. And so it was always just an attempt to kind of make each other laugh, really. So things like the man's daddy and, you know, all of that, they were just throw away. But some of them stuck because hmm. people would then write into us quoting things back. So then characters kind of would get brought back, like Mr. T, and um, it just became, you know, something with their own momentum. Uh, it was never designed. Yeah. It was all quite shambolic. <laughs> you know, some of the, the best moment, ideas I'm, are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, um, we were talking just before you came on about uh, Fat Sal. Yeah. Um, and, like, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, um, we can, like, hear the character these days. Um, and it was quite um, good because um, I can't remember the name. Who who does the, the impression, Rich? It, it, is he, uh, is he like? Eli Silverman. Eli, yeah. that's it. Sorry. Yeah. Amazing. Um, and, like, he, he kind of just nailed it. With like yeah. how, because obviously that like we re- we read the characters obviously back back in the day on teletext, so we 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 had to use our imagination to to know how they sounded in our head. Um, but I feel like he he nailed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, he, he, I think yeah. I remember mentioning him in, to someone for the first time, and uh, mate who was a digitized fan originally, and. Saying I'll, I'll get got Eli to do Fat Sal's voice, and he just went, "Yep, yep, perfect." <laughs> you know, and even though Fat Sal technically is female, you know, female pig is a sow, obviously. Yeah. Uh, it just works. It's just, it's just brilliant because he's just, he's a you know angry guy, kind of angry little <laughs> fellow anyway. So um, yeah, it was brilliant. I mean, I'm, I'm on the morning commute the other day listening to Fassel calling Paul fucking shit and I'm just crying my eyes out <laughs> on the way to work. I'm just doing my homework for the podcast and I'm just, yeah. 
yeah. beside myself. So thank you, Paul, and thank you, Eli. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's great. Uh, we had uh, a listener question from Demon Scythe Swap Shop, and um, he's they asked that um, w- will we see these characters come to the live show or, or even to the YouTube channel? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you know, lots of them have been on there uh, already. I mean, the man's daddy has been brought to a horrible life, and uh, <laughs> yeah, we had we had several of them on the the live show that we we did last month. Um, but yeah, absolutely the the second series of Digitizer the show because it's going to go out uh, it's going to coincide with the 30th anniversary of Digitizer so I want it to be a proper celebration of that and uh, you know bring back you know or or for the first time you know some of the characters that that were on there originally breathe life into them make them real Mm -hmm. Uh, but I don't know who yet (laughs) yeah we'll see that'll be a surprise yeah yeah, we. I mean, we had uh, last time in the first series, we had uh, Mr. T. Uh, we had a as a guy who's kind of Britain's only, as far as I know, Mr. T impersonator, and we had him <laughs> uh, spend a day with us, uh, telling people to stay away from his bins, and that was bizarre. <laughs> I mean, it was bizarre for him, but um, you know, I'm thinking, I'm just sort of stood there look, watching him do this and just think. You know, I cannot believe this is happening. <laughs> this thing that I did kind of 25 years ago is like now, now live action. Uh, bizarre. That, that, yeah, that, that must be quite crazy for you. You know, like like you say, you I mean you, you just got a job. It, it was a job to you when you when you started in Teletext, and to see how it grew to to where it went must have been really crazy for you. Yeah, I mean, at the time, I never really had a sense of how popular it was. It was all yeah. sort of in isolation. And even though now, I mean, our YouTube channel's tiny, relatively speaking, compared to, especially compared to how popular Digitizer was back in the day. But mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot more now because of social media, there's a lot more sort of direct access to the audience. And mm-hmm. so I guess I appreciate it more, the people that are there, uh, and who support us and particularly when you know it's something like the kickstarter we may not have the biggest audience but my god they're passionate yeah. and you know they're so supportive and you know like you three guys you know really appreciate it and um you know i i, I can't even begin to put into words uh you know how supportive people are um over what we do and i don't you know i it's this it sounds like false modesty but i don't get it really <laughs> i don't really get i don't know what we do that that people like but they do so you know and to the, the sort of degree of faith um that they're putting in me to do this second series of digitize of the show um you know it's it's so gratifying and mm-hmm. yeah you know, I, I really really appreciate everything they've done it sounds funny, but when the first series came out, I think what it kind of evoked to me was it almost reminded me in a weird, twisted way of like Saturday morning television. Like yes, you had yes, the presenters yes. on a desk and the props, and it felt real and physical and just that weird, anarchic nature of it. It just felt like TV from the 90s, and that really meant a lot to me. So, yeah, again, yeah, thank you. Oh, thank you. Well, no, thank you for saying that because that, that's kind of what we were trying to do. Um, trying to capture some of that sort of ramshackle like tis was yeah yeah when i was yeah. growing up uh you know because it, it the kids shows 
on the Saturday morning kids shows that I used to watch, there was a sort of sense of danger of stuff going wrong. And, um, you know, you'd get you know, people ringing up and telling Five Star to fuck off or, or <laughs> whatever. Uh, and so there was always that feeling that this could all just fall apart any minute. And But also... Uh, the camaraderie and the yeah. fact that no one took it too seriously and it's like you know they're not treating it like it's uh you know important in any way <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and trying to capture that that spirit of, as well it's sort of a mix between i suppose that feeling of kind of getting up at you know half eight and switching on the telly yeah. To, yeah. on a saturday morning combined with coming home from the pub on a friday night uh you know half <laughs> eleven and putting Perfect. the telly on <laughs> yeah that's that's the spirit of it it's funny you should go, like, talk about that because that's what kind of happened with the eleven o'clock show, right? Where it was kind of a bit, I found it kind of a bit boring and stuffy, and a couple of middle-aged men talking about alternative news, and then all of a sudden, was it season two or three? They completely changed it and had this madcap thing uh, version with Ian Lee and um, Mackenzie Crook was on there and oh who's the girl present? I can't remember her name. It's just oh, Daisy, Daisy Donovan. Donovan. Oh, yeah. yeah. Daisy Donovan. And it was just like you said, it's just madcap energy magazine show for adults and it's just like what is going <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It just com- completely rebranded it and it was better for it. And yeah. very, very similar. That's what's just popped into my memory there. Well I'm a big I'm a big believer in things feeling authentic. Mm. Uh, and I think people can f- smell on an instinctive level when something's sort of fake and people are trying too hard yeah. and so yeah. it's so important for me that things feel real I mean on the first mm. series of Digitise of the show we started out believe it or not with an auto queue we, um, we got wow. a kit to sort of set up an auto queue and I tried doing the first sort of intros uh, using it and it felt so fake um, that you know it turned out to be a waste of money I stopped mm. using it uh, you know, and I, sort of realizing how uh, the more sort of natural we all are, and the more ourselves, and the more we're winging it, the more people kind of will respond. I feel mm. um, because yeah. then it does. You know, if something feels real, it feels tangible, and they can hold on to it. Well, it's um, that spontaneity, and watching your videos on YouTube is exactly that. It's it's literally just mucking, not mucking around, but that that free flow that. Yeah, well, um, that yeah. unpredictability, that natural banter you have with people, and then the chemicals, the chemical reaction between people as well. It's just, it works. It works. Yeah, on a it fundamental is, it, level. It's trying to. Nothing's too scripted, and mm. you know, as you say, it keeps it unpredictable for us and for you know people watching. And so then the reactions you get to things are, are real and genuine. I mean, the probably the highlight for most people of series one of digitizer the show is well there's two there's one uh, sniff sonic's rings which i don't even oh, know what happened <laughs> yeah where, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, where these, yeah where sonic the hedgehog turns up with these gold rings which basically some of them smell like shit uh, like li- literally smell like shit and um uh, and they're, they're handed out and you have to identify you know what they smell of and Larry Bundy Jr I didn't realise he was going to have quite that reaction <laughs> but the thing is it, then it just falls apart because I didn't expect him to retch to the degree that he was then my my wife who was producing behind 
the camera, starts freaking out and going, get her back, get her back, like stop smelling it. So there's that going on. I'm Gannon's, Gannon's retching, Larry's retching. I'm like falling apart with laughter. And then, so that, I mean, this is the thing, that was like chaos. That was the point. I think we did that on the Wednesday. We started filming on the Monday. And that was the point at which I went, this is going to work as a show. And yeah. then the following day, we did um, a crane grabber game. I don't know if you saw it. We had like a mechanical yeah. crane. It's this bizarre thing. I've made Paul Gannon dress up in this stupid costume uh, <laughs> as the Herald of Niven. And the idea was we were going to put prawns over his body and then people would use a, a remote control mechanical crane to pick the prawns off him and put them in a, a bucket called Niven's Pranny. Now, now, what I didn't know, what Gannon had failed to tell me, is that he's like violently allergic to seafood. So, like, so he's laying on the floor. I've got this packet of prawns. And as I'm walking over to put them on his body, like all the prawn juice drips out onto his eye. Right? And, and then on top of that, and then Larry Bundy's playing the game. Uh, and he 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 wretches at the smell of seafood right now all of this this chaos is going on and none of it was scripted none of it was planned and and you know this is what I mean, it's my only concern really with series two is is that we don't try and replicate that you know yeah. that, that what instead we do is we try and replicate the production chaos that leads to stuff like that. <laughs> exactly. you know, the, the unprofessional, we call it unprofessional professionalism because we are very professional. You know, we, yeah. we, uh, you know, believe it or not, we're not sloppy behind the scenes, but you know, in terms of knowing what will get results on camera, we are, we deliberately kind of, you know, cut a few corners uh, yeah. on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> and that said, you still can't, like, you know, you still can't, but you know, plan for someone who kind of wretches, like, to the point of throwing up at seafood or someone who's got a seafood allergy who happens to have been the main person in a game where he has to have seafood <laughs> placed all over his body. Um, so, you know, who knows what will happen next time. I think that's the. Um, I think that's one of the things that just appeal appeals to watching your content because I think, like you say, if if a, a more serious YouTuber or, or creator was doing that kind of stuff, they'd probably cut all that out and 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 do it again. But but that's the gold, you know. Yeah. When I when I was growing up, I I always loved those moments where comedians would start corpsing because you yeah, saw yeah. the reality behind the the characters. You know, Morecambe and Wise were great for it. Those mm. moments when. Eric Morkham would start to smirk or yeah. you kind of, or, you know, <laughs> it would, you could see he was kind of trying to push Ernie Wise to laugh mm -hmm. and trying to make him laugh. And it's so naughty. And <laughs> yeah, but that's so brilliant at yeah. the same time. And I, I live for that, that kind of realness. Um, so, yeah, you know, and also, I don't know, fuck it, I'm nearly, you know, I'm 50, I'm really old. <laughs> I'm, not not really old. old. I'm quite an old man. Uh, and I I don't know, I, I'm, I fakeness, I have no time for it. You sure. know, I, I'm, I can't pretend I'm anything other than I am, which exactly. is exactly. an arthritic old man. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's the best philosophy that you can have, I guess, no matter if you're 50 or whether you're 20, I think. It's just yeah, it's like... True. Um, just be who you are and try not to be someone you're not and yeah. uh, th th that's just a, a great way to look at things in life I think so yeah yeah totally 
Um, going back to Digitizer then, um, we, we were quite interested to know how the idea came about of the um, mock adverts and um, was there like a particular advert you were proud of the most? Um, do you mean the ones, on, the original ones on Teletext? Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, again, it's as with anything on Digitizer, it was, it was Tim and I trying to make each other laugh mm-hmm. uh, and I, I, you know, Teletext had you know, adverts anyway, so it just seemed natural to us to try. <laughs> yeah, they stopped us doing it in the end because they thought people would mistake them for real ones, even though we would have at the top of the page, it would say not a real advert. And obviously there'd be about things like, I don't know, uh, uh, stoke foam. So, foam, you know, this <laughs> stuff you apply to a stoke to make it all foam. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, stuff like that. Uh, yeah, the... the yeah, you'd have to be off your face to think it was, <laughs> it was real. Um, clearly a market for it. It has to be, so. Yeah, clearly. As a, you know, there's a big, big uh, Stoke Fanciers uh, audience out there. Um, yeah, so I don't know. That was it, really. It's, it, there's no real story beyond other than than it, it felt like an extra way of getting some nonsense on the pages, which was always our goal. Fair enough. I mean, that's... And I think, you know, obviously that's one of the biggest appeals about Digitizer was just was this, that nonsense um, that you guys managed to, to capture on, on there. Well, it helped as well because Teletext is inherently ridiculous anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, it somehow, I think, there was something about Teletext which made it funnier. Uh, you know, seeing stuff that sort of really shouldn't be on there, you know, on a medium like that. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we could only you know per editorial page you could only get like 60 words on a page something like that so it, it meant we had to be yeah we couldn't go in depth about games you know to the mm. to, to the degree that magazines could but you know it was quite easy to just sort of put in something stupid at the end of a review like mock mock a mock or you know <laughs> anything like that um yeah so it, it sort of forced us to to be creative i suppose Definitely, um, and like the uh, reveal lows were were quite a personal favourite of mine, um, as it made it made me feel part of the page. Was it was it kind of yours or Tim's idea as well for turning the worm? Uh, oh well, turning the worm being sick that was me because Tim had <laughs> long gone by that point. I don't know what I was thinking, but it, it went out. You know, this, <laughs> I don't. You know, that should not have gone on air. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah, you know, but I suppose they figured well it's his last day, let's let him get away with it. But yeah, the revealos were um I don't know I don't want to take credit, but they probably were my idea. I just figured <laughs> um there was it's a way to you know, to get an interactive element on the pages, really. We've got the ability to tell people to press reveal. So uh yeah, let's use it. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's use it and then people then are actually directly interfacing with, with what you know what's on screen and that was quite um quite magical for for us you know being the viewer especially before the internet this was the closest that we had to something that was that kind of you know apart from the video games themselves but yeah you know quite interactive on your tv you know you, you could press the reveal button to and your interaction did something on the screen it was quite quite a magical thing for us i think yeah, and it was great for comedy because you know comedy is is built on surprise, really. So you know they'd be reading a page of I don't know 
a, a text or something, and then you know press reveal to see a swan, and then they press reveal and it'd be I don't know a cat. Or something. That's, <laughs> that's a terrible example. I hope I never did that. Uh, but, yeah. but, there you go. Surprise. So yeah, what did I say? <laughs> Um, yeah, but yeah, it, so it worked for us comedically, and you know, it was uh, yeah, you use all the tools in the box, really. Sure, yeah, definitely. You had some um, kind of like troubles as you, when you were at Digitizer. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <There's a nervous> <laughs> laugh. <laughs> and like, what was the time period like when you know when you had campaigns from like Mean Machines and O and M and even those within the ranks of teletext that were trying uh, to give digitizer the digitizer team the the boot and and such wow uh i mean more or less from the start to be honest <laughs> we, were, we were troublemakers from the off uh, yeah. we were really naughty boys um uh and i don't know i mean the the main machine stuff uh all that all the emap things and steve merritt who edited main machines uh, we're mates on Twitter now. We get on perfectly well, but we were really horrible to each other. But it was so stupid. It was just, you know, uh, I mean, I can't quite remember exactly when it happened, but um, but within Teletext, yeah, I mean, that started fairly fairly quickly because we, um, I don't know, I know it wasn't me. Tim had written something about epilepsy on the pages, um, and this was in the first few months of us being on air, and the British Epilepsy Association rang up to complain. I mean, the guy was an idiot, frankly, because Tim hadn't said anything offensive. He was reacting to the the scare stories that were in the press at the time about video games causing epilepsy and all the rest of it. Uh, Anyway, and then it was in the paper on a Saturday. I saw it. I was kind of flicking through the pages and I saw, oh, Teletext wrapped over sick video game joke. (laughs) 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 I kind of read this piece and I think I ran Tim and said, we're going to be in trouble. And then the deputy editor rang me about five seconds later. Um, And we had to, I had to go through every single word on the, on the site with her. Um, Then, you know, just checking what was offensive and what wasn't when there was anything else on there. <laughs> and then from that point onwards, that was it. Our card was marked. They they mm-hmm. were looking out for anything yeah. that we might have done that was naughty. Mm-hmm. But they tended to miss the more obvious stuff. You know, and they'd they'd pick up on things that weren't offensive. They'd they'd see you know rude stuff in there that that wasn't there. And I think because a lot of the time we sort of snuck it over their heads with like Zombie Dave, who would just like absolutely foul mouth zombie but we'd disguise what he was saying with lots of sort of Zs and you know <laughs> lots of consonants and they never they never picked up on any of that somehow all our readers did uh, they never did and you know it would be absolutely filthy and I think they they kind of had a sense of there's something going on here that we don't get you know this is the editors yeah. and so they were just always suspicious but yet they were also too stupid to actually directly get it and kind of go uh, you know uh, why is Zombie Dave calling that person the C word um, <laughs> you know, well he's not he's saying something completely different yeah uh, yeah. Uh, uh, that must be quite frustrating for you mustn't it it was at times but I can't blame them with hindsight I mean we you know it was a service that you know was supposedly for all ages and we were it was as much as the the the, the, the double entendres and the slightly rude stuff that was on there 
they just didn't like the surrealism um, yeah. because they didn't get it. They didn't like the surreal humour. It was just weird to them, and you know, you know, straight laced people don't like weird things. <laughs> no, so that's true. It, it, it annoys them and scares them. <laughs> I mean, I came to book a holiday and a zombie called me a cunt, you know. Yeah, 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 there we go, yeah. Did, bit, did, you, have you ever, did you ever buy a Teletext holiday? I don't know if I ever did. I know, I, can, I certainly browsed uh, the pages. I'm, I'm, yeah, my family certainly used it, but I don't think I ever did. Um, I didn't know if you got a discount or not. Oh, no, no. Well, <laughs> now, I mean, all they are now is basically a holiday company. But, um, yeah, Teletext still exists, just as Teletext Holidays. Amazing. But, uh, it's, <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, back in the day, I don't think I ever used it. Not for that, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, all that aside, um, I know towards the end of Digitizer's life, they kind of shifted the tone to make it more kind of straight-laced and by the numbers. Was there one particular thing that made that happen? And yes. I know UFC had to run it solo as well, so I didn't know if that was part of it. Um, uh, no, no. I mean, I've been writing it solo for years by that point. Uh, yeah, the thing that caused it to happen was 9-11, believe it or not. Of course. <laughs> <That> <laughs> trigger, was the, trigger warning. That was the excuse I used. Uh, genuinely was. Um, yeah. They... they brought me in um, and said oh we're going to have to cut back the service because people aren't booking holidays because of 9-11 oh and Makes by sense. the way your humour excludes people so let's get rid of all that at the same time um, so you know wow. it, was, it was Al-Qaeda that kind of got rid of uh, got, got, rid of, got rid of the man's daddy for um, a year someone had to really another reason to hate them yeah, uh, as if there weren't <laughs> enough already. Exactly. Um, yeah, so, uh, and then people just kept writing in saying, what the hell have you done to digitise us? So mm-hmm. um, they they asked me to put it back to how it was after a year, which was rather lovely, and then I handed in my notice. Um, yeah, pretty much a couple of months after that. I mean, you had you had no involvement when it, I remember they changed it to a brief while to Game Game Central, didn't they? You had no yeah. involvement in that whatsoever, did you? No, once Digitizer no. was gone, um, yeah. it, it was nothing to do with me. Yeah. Any of that, yeah. I kept the colour scheme, I think. But um, <coughs> that's about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's still going Game Central. I mean, fair play to them. I'll be it in the Metro newspaper these days. I didn't even uh, make that connection. Oh, no. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's the same. It was the same people. Wow. Um, that, Amazing. That, that ran it. Yeah. Yeah, so the uh, you know the digitizer legacy lives on in various ways. <laughs> incredible! That's incredible. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so looking back on your like looking back on your other work on teletext that you were involved in outside of digital digital digitizer, <laughs> um, was there any that that remained particularly proud of? Uh, I mean, I turn of the worm the comic strip that that I used to do every week I love doing that um, that was a lot of fun that was bizarre in places I mean I, yeah it was all very much PG uh, but it was quite surreal at times um, and that was where I kind of got to really sort of flex my artistic muscles I guess um, and beyond that I did did some writing I think for well certainly for the music pages and then uh, the odd bit for I mean, I may have written something for the teenage pages. I'm not sure. Um, 
don't think so very much. But uh, but yeah, though I didn't do much else beyond digitising so just general graphics. Someone would come to me and go, "Oh, I need a picture of a hairdryer," and then I'll do that. Um, so it wasn't <laughs> the most <laughs> yeah the, the most creative role the graphics side. And they, uh, you did some work on my other favourite part of uh, Teletext, and that was Bamboozle, didn't you? Well, I designed Bamboozle. I never actually did any kind of... I didn't run it as such. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I did the graphics of the character um, and his yeah. family. Um, and we, we had our own spoof version of Digitizer called BW, which... Um, didn't stand for anything. <laughs> 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 I, in fact, the character we were kind of trying to come up with. I think like a, um, I think we were trying to come up with a with a kind of pun name version or pun version of Banda Boozler. And so I, I started typing B, and I think I accidentally hit W, and then we just went that that'll do. <laughs> so, character became known as B W. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. So bam, bamboozle. I didn't. Yeah. Didn't really have a lot to do with it once. Once I designed that character, who was just, who was meant to look a bit like Bob Monkhouse. That's what I was told. <laughs> I saw the resemblance. Yeah. yeah. A little bit. Uh, so getting a bit more topical uh, with the news of uh, the reboot, the rebooted uh, Games Master series uh, being announced and filming having taken place. Uh, we talk about your time on the original show and uh, oh, do you think you pop up on the new one <laughs> <laughs> well Rab Florence who's presenting the new one has backed Digitizer Series 2 has he uh, oh, that's yeah. so cool. perfect <laughs> I don't know if he did that to stop me saying anything negative about the new Games Master which uh, if so that was very clever of him uh, yeah um uh, no, I don't very much doubt I'm too old to be on it they've got no, uh, no, no. way they'd, they'd be like you know I'm probably the right age to be Games Master now itself, but, uh, I'm way too old they won't have me on there they won't have me anywhere near it at my age you know stinking of cabbage um, uh, but uh, but the original uh, yes that, that was horrible my original appearance on it, it was uh, awful it was awful and I just looked like a rabbit caught in headlights um, and I, I looked awful because I'd done so I'd blown dry my hair for some reason that day and I did I was just awful awful awful. I shaved as well I never shave um, no no and I just looked terrified because I was I was you know given all these games to review that I hadn't played um, so no no my um, I, I, was, I did funny enough though I did um, I did audition to be a regular review on there uh, sometime afterwards and I thought I did quite a good job of that review uh, of that audition but um, they didn't ask me back so obviously I didn't <laughs> Stay lost. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah anyway um, I think you would have done a better job than uh, some of them some of the people that they got on there oh, man, I'm not a liberty to come in um, because they they gave you like you mentioned like they gave you some games that they wanted you to talk about that you never played you 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 were playing a different set of games that they told you well they've given me the list of games uh, and sort of said make sure you've played all these so I did uh, and prepared what I was going to say and I turned up and they went right so um, they're the games you're reviewing just over there um, and I was I had never seen any of these games before <laughs> let alone played them. And so I had like about 15 minutes to kind of work out what these games were called. 
and find something about them so that I could I could speak about them on camera. And at the time, you know, I was yeah, it was really like rabbit in headlights. I wasn't used to being on camera anyway. But mm-hmm. you know, I could have done without being put on the spot like that. You sure. have to just yeah. just wing it about you know I don't know however many it was six games or whatever that I. I'd, I'd only seen five minutes before. It was nightmarish. Absolutely <laughs> awful. Awful. Because I think one of them was, uh, was it one of them megalomania? Oh, maybe. I can't even remember that. I know, <laughs> I think uh, there was some football game. I think one of them was Toji Amanil too. And these are all like really early versions of the games as well. They were, you know, they were on ROM cartridges. They weren't finished versions. So there was no way, I, you know, it would have got, got to play them prior to turning up there because you know the games industry hated digitizing <laughs> really yeah. didn't send us advanced <laughs> versions of games so um yeah it was awful awful it's a uh, it's a shame you had that kind of lasting memory for for that tv show in a way um but um i mean like i listened to the uh, under consultation podcast um yeah they're nice chaps yeah and um, you know they as they're going through the TV shows and that they're picking up on things that we obviously never would have looked noticed back in the day and mm. like how you know shambolic some of the series were run. I mean, did you see any of that? I mean, obviously that you've got a great example, I guess, like where you got given completely different games to what you was told. Yeah, yeah, it was, um, and no one, I don't know, I don't know. There's been some communication breakdown, but. As well, it was always it, it it sort of reinforced the feeling that Digitizer was on the outside because all the other people that were there that day were all the you know Jazz Rignall and all the EMAP gang, um, you know all the insiders. Yeah, you know, because the games industry back then, no idea what it's like now. I'm still on the outside, but back then there was a real sense of it being a bit of a sort of boys' club, and you know all the EMAP journos particularly kind of you know hanging out with the, the PR people and I don't know there was it was there was it was very incestuous and we weren't interested in playing that sort of game mm-hmm. um, and sucking up to them for a group you know we were literally biting the hand that feeds <laughs> so yeah we were we were so self-destructive it's ridiculous uh, yeah Fair enough. Did you, um, did, uh, out of interest, did you uh, back the uh, Games Master book? That I didn't. I wished I had. I, um, I don't know why I didn't. Um, maybe I just didn't because I just thought, oh, God, what if I'm in it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what if I'm in it? Uh, I wouldn't want to see that because, yeah, is that, that clip is just haunted. No, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Uh, uh, I'll <laughs> let you know. No, thanks. <laughs> um. Well, I asked um, I asked the listeners if they had a few questions that they would like me to ask you, and um, the the first one that I got back was, um, but why did why did Digitizer give Star Fox Adventures two out of ten? I can't believe we only gave it two out of ten. That's that's really low. Did we really? Mm-hmm. Oh. I can't believe that. Um, I mean, I'm sure it's true. Uh, but that is very low. I can't even remember the game, to be honest. Uh, didn't it, I, I? I think it started life as it start life as a game called Dinosaur Planet or That's something right, like yeah, that. Yeah. 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 Um, then they sort of reskinned it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I I barely remember it. I guess 
Oh, the only thing I can think is that we kind of thought, oh, that's not enough like proper Star Fox. Um, yeah. That's the only thing I can assume. I'll have to go back and have a, have a play of it and see what it was that I hated so much. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that does seem really low. Well, Jason, Jason Madison, there, there's your answer. Um, even Paul shocked yeah. that he got a two out of ten. So yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I also reached out to um, Super Fifty Eight. Oh, Super Page Fifty Eight. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I wondered if he had any questions for you that oh, he would like. Would Chris like Bell you to is answer. A legend. Um, and he came back with with um, with some questions. So, uh, oh, mm, so um, he he would like to know if you have any favourite memories of doing the ring, sir, <laughs> <laughs> phone pranks on teletext. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's one that we didn't. Oh no, I don't even know if I can even tell this story. This is bad because they. <laughs> We did. That's right. Yeah, once, once Tim left, or rather, was fired. Um, <laughs> we carried on doing them. This is the thing. We'd go round to his house. <laughs> we didn't stop doing them. They didn't go out, but we still did prank phone calls. Um, oh man, can I tell this story? Oh, okay. So we had we managed we had this Stephen Hawking style voice box. Oh, God. <laughs> Off to good start. Yeah, uh, we used to. Uh, we rang. We rang this pizza place to try and order a pizza uh, with it, basically. Um, and he would ask for kind of weird things on the pizza and explain that you know. Uh, I feel bad about it um, because they would really hang on because they'd think, "Oh God, this poor person's not got." voice box or larynx um, and uh, you know they'd, they'd be really patient <coughs> while we just sort of made them jump through hoops so um, I don't know if that's a favourite memory that's the most shameful memory <laughs> that's, that's the most vivid one um, there's one that I there was one where we uh, God where we we rang up and we we censored it actually for what went out I think on air where we talked about um, a donkey that I don't know why what this had to do with video games, but um, talked about how my niece was couldn't couldn't walk because she was really fat and she'd sat on a donkey and it and shattered its spine and all the bones went in her legs. <laughs> <laughs> That's bad, isn't it? That's really bad. I was a young man. What can I say? I don't have any favourite memories. Just bits of bits of doing them stick out. <laughs> some of them we censored. Um, he, also, he also would like to know um, if we will be getting a new puppet made for the show to go with Fat Sal. A couple of people have asked this. Um, Fat Sal was really expensive. Uh, <laughs> like it was, there were several things on the first series that cost a bloody fortune. That um, I don't know whether they were the wisest use of money. Um, I mean, Fat Sal, yes, she's iconic, uh, and we've made good use out of her since. But it was close to a grand that puppet, believe it or not. Um, and I ended up having to repaint it myself anyway because I wasn't happy with the paint job on it. Uh, but um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm toying with it. 
because there's a few characters that will sort of lend themselves to being puppets. But uh, I don't know yet. Well, I, the way yeah. the Kickstarter's going. Yeah, yeah, but even then, it's like, because last time um, we, we massively underestimated how much we'd have to spend on all the sort of merchandise yeah. and postage and also because, of course, like Kickstarter takes a chunk of fees and then there's like VAT and all yeah. of that. We we really underestimated that. I mean, I'm already, at the moment, I'm in the process, me and Sanya, my wife, who, who produces it, sort of in the process of kind of going, well, how, how, can, how, much, how can we spend a load of it now so we don't have to pay too much VAT on it? Um, you know, what can we buy for the show for next year now? Uh, maybe we could buy a puppet. But anyway, but um, yeah, I just don't know. So I don't know. So things like that, that kind of last time I sort of said to myself, oh, we we need a desk. I want a desk. I, I want a fat sale puppet. Oh, I want Mr. T. Um, those three things alone cost a huge amount of money. Mm. Um, you know, we're talking kind of, sort of close to five grand for those three things. Wow, um, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a big chunk of change. Yeah. Um, and then you kind of go, well, you know, what else could we do with that mm. um, that would put value on screen? So... You know, given the fat sour what pops up like three times in the series, was that really the best use of money? I don't know, um, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm not ruling it out, but I mean, you know, it might be a puppet that that I make myself at a paper mache or something, <laughs> rather than kind of get a company to do it. I mean, the company that did it, um, you know, we we asked around a few, and they were the cheapest. Um, but they also did, believe it or not, they did uh, costume designs for Katy Perry's live tour that year as well so quite uh, quite a good reputation mm. um, anyway well, keep an eye out um, and his last question is um, if money were no object what would be your ultimate game to do for real on the show oh um, well I'm hoping we're going to get to do some of them uh, yeah what my ultimate ones are um, I mean I quite I sort of got in my head I want to do pilot wins for real. Um, <laughs> a, few, a few years back, I treated myself to um, an aer- aerobatics flight, or flight in a kind of a plane that does the loop-the-loops and everything. Um, and, you know, you actually fly it yourself. You know, it's kind of a trainer uh, plane. There's the pilots in the back, and then at some point, it kind of goes, off you go, you've got the controls. Uh, and we did, you know, battle rolls and stuff. And I was, it was the most violent nausea I could have <laughs> <laughs> So, perhaps putting that on camera might be quite good. I've actually got a photo of me flying this plane because they had like a camera mounted on the wing. Then we've got it up, I've got it up in my hallway. And basically, he sort of says, I'll oh, turn to the camera, Paul, smile. And I'm basically giving the camera the finger because I felt, <laughs> I felt so sick. It was so awful. Um, yeah, and this guy, because it was in America, and this guy in the back is is going uh, kind of like, yeah, woo, Paul, yeah, woo, you want to do it again? Yeah, and I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no, stop, enough. Um, so I'm wondering about something like that, Pilot Wings for real. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, but we might be able to afford it. You know, we might be able to afford that, but I can't promise. Um, I don't know. God, if money was no object, that's really yeah. hard. Full-size Donkey Kong. <laughs> Full-size Donkey Kong with barrels rolling down with uh, someone in a monkey costume at the top. There you go. 
or better still, a real gorilla at the top, yeah. <laughs> chucking the barrels. <laughs> and that's how yeah. the conversation rolls back around to the beginning. <laughs> yeah, to the monkeys. full circle. <laughs> exactly. Monkey. I think that would be great. A full-size Donkey Kong, yeah. Do yeah. it. It'd be brilliant. Yeah. I think that's what I'd like to do if money was no object, like kind of build a full-size Pac-Man maze. Uh, that sort of thing, you know, build full proper full-size recreations of, of video game levels. Someone must have done full-scale Donkey Kong by now, surely. You'd have thought so, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, you'd have thought <laughs> it's so. It's just asking, to, like, that's surprising. Yeah. Maybe, like, um, you could do, like, a full-size uh, micro-machines. Yeah. Yeah, like what one to one scale. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we get desperate, we run out of money. <laughs> yeah. Just, just called machines. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, thank you, uh, Chris from Superpage Fifty Eight. If no one knows what he's doing, he's uh, he's dedicating himself to to digitizer and kind of like archiving, documenting, and preserving uh, digitizer, and he's he's trying to. He's pretty much just trying to upload all the pages of Digitizer, isn't he? He's an absolute legend, Chris. He's a lovely, lovely guy as well. And really, he, he's he been sort of instrumental at points in Digitizer's history of just being a kind of cheerleader for it, really, and kind of encouraging me to, to keep going. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and what he's doing now is, I mean, I think, I think they've recovered something like 40% of digitizer that went out you know given that we thought this was a medium that would never uh you know it could never be saved the fact that they've managed to recover so much of it is just astonishing really and that's there's a whole bunch of people that do it yeah jason robertson is the the guru um who causes our grim fandango on twitter and he he's the guy who sort of got this system of of pulling old teletext images off of off of vhs tapes um, so it's so smart what he does and yeah and Chris is uh, then, then uploading them and then he's got other people who are kind of sometimes the pages are corrupted so there are other people who are kind of piecing the pages back together it's like proper archaeology um, mm. you know it's amazing really it, it sounds amazing I mean it, it, it can't be an easy thing to do at all I don't think no um, you know and again it comes back to what I was saying earlier about having this passionate audience that yeah. it just blows me away yeah um, really does must make you uh, feel quite humble yeah yeah totally I absolutely don't take it for granted whatsoever I'm really blessed that's great um, Rich do you want to ask our last question um, yeah really um, well <laughs> a bit of a tangent again this one <laughs> sure. um, so in our last episode um, we were doing a deep dive on a, our three on the three big Jim, Jim Carrey films from 1994. And I was wondering if you had a favourite out of Ace Ventura, The Mask, or Dumb and Dumber. Or maybe you think they're all a bit shit. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not the biggest Jim Carrey fan in the world. I'll say that. But out of those, it's Dumb and Dumber, hands down, mm. for me. Exactly. Uh, good, <laughs> yeah. good choice. The, how the, four guys could come up with the same result. It's, yeah, because we... Uh, uh, it's no-brainer. Yeah, we... Um, <laughs> yeah. At the end of the episode, we obviously chose our favourite out and it was Dumb and Dumber yeah. Um, 100% yeah it's uh, yeah it, it's him playing to his strengths yeah. <laughs> <laughs> being yeah obnoxious idiot um, yeah rather than just obnoxious which is sometimes I find him uh, he's really got weird and intense these days though isn't he yeah, yeah. 
Um, well, that, I tell you what, while you're here, I just have uh, one more question that I've always kind of wondered. Um, and like out of all the uh, um, consoles, retro consoles um, that have been released over the years, um, which one of yours was the most favourite? Uh, I've got a soft spot for the Dreamcast. Hey. Um, Good choice. I really do. It was. It was. Um, it, it arrived too late. But yeah. if, if they had bought that out a couple of years before, before they'd screwed everything up with the Saturn, um, you know, it was a gorgeous machine. It, everything they did, everything right with the Dreamcast, but it mm. just was too little, too late. Um, yeah. You know, and there were some absolutely fantastic Dreamcast games, and it's yeah. a great looking console. Uh, it had a good logo, it had a good name, it mm-hmm. had, everything was right about it. They released it at the right price point, but you know, they were too far behind to catch up by that point and so um, yeah Dreamcast Dreamcast for me yeah I, th- I think I said on one of the our previous episodes like how I think a lot of the consumers and probably like shops and whatever were quite burned after the experience of the Saturn um, which which had a, a horrible effect onto the Dreamcast when it was released yeah well between the Saturn and the 32X Sega mm. just shot itself in the foot and you know they were they were running on empty by the time Dreamcast came out. Um, yeah, they didn't have even you know the resources just to promote the thing properly. Um, they did their best, but but Sony just had like bottomless pockets at that point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sad. But um, yes, it's uh, you know Sega these days. <sighs> I get frustrated with Sega because it feels like they've lost their identity a bit, and I kind of get a bit wound up with them when they they released um sonic mania a few years ago it was like yes this is what they should be doing mm-hmm. capitalizing on on that amazing legacy they've got and then they had streets of rage 4 um was it last year earlier this year i can't remember yeah, uh, which was good it was fine um but then they, they've got all these kind of total war games and it's just like just well what you know sega used to have such a defined presence in the games industry yeah. everyone knew what Sega was and what a Sega game was and the kind of games they did and then they've just just lost direction since uh, since they got out of the hardware game it's a real shame yeah I mean I feel at this point I feel like Yakuza is like the biggest thing they have going now yes. and I've absolutely fallen yeah. in love with that series so yeah I mean that that you know what I like about it is um, it feels a bit Shenmue uh, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so it feels like okay, I can see the DNA of Sega yeah. in it, um, yeah. but there's not enough of that that they're bringing out, um, unfortunately. So, hey ho. Hopefully, one day. Um, I, I think, like you know, they've, they've recently brought out Sonic Colors um, Ultimate and the Super Monkey Ball collection. Yes. Um, yeah. So I'm kind of hoping that maybe they may be, you know, actually realizing what they've got. And what they can actually do with the, you know, characters and games that they have actually got a hold of. Yeah, um, maybe. I mean, I, I they they focus very heavily on Sonic. I mean, obviously, um, understandably, but uh, perhaps a bit too much emphasis on Sonic. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Exactly. I don't hold my breath. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's probably a good thing to do when it's when it's Sega, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, well, that, that's the that's the show and everything. So, um, Paul, thank you so much for joining us and just talking to us about teletext and monkeys and the Dreamcast and, and everything else. <laughs> um, it's been it's been a, a real pleasure. It's been great. Yeah, it's been thank uh, you, a bit of joy. I really enjoyed Be- it. Before we uh, sign off, can I ask a question that's probably on everyone's mind right now? Sure. Um, where did the idea? And concept of Venus come from? <laughs> just, just, I just, I've been curious for two or three years now. I apologise like, for this, Chris. I apologise. Oh, jeez. Um, I don't know. Where did that just? <laughs> I don't. I actually don't know. Um, these things just pop into my head. <laughs> I may have seen. It may have come from the mask. I may have found the mask on Amazon. <laughs> and going on, oh. oh Beans, yeah. bean, beanness. I mean, I, I have a tendency anyway to add the add us to the end of words. Uh, I've always done that for some reason. So beanus, oh ha ha! It sounds a bit like penis. Um, so yeah. you know, it works great. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, it was weird. It's it's weird. The character um, I can only really do him when I've got the mask on. I did, I did some stuff for Paul Gannon for his podcast the other day as Venus. He wanted me to do this bit as Venus, and we sat there and I did, didn't have the mask on, and it felt really wrong. <laughs> it felt wrong to be doing Venus without without the whole get up. Start uh, so I sound really wanky, don't I? Like a real method actor. Yeah. <laughs> Darling, I can't. I haven't got the mask. Yeah. It is just yeah. It was Rich that actually sent me the original video. Yeah, my apologies. Oh. About two or three years ago. And I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> well, it's like with, it, with, with, any, with just, anything. And I love oh. that random batshit craziness. And it just... <laughs> yeah. But again, it was meant to be a throwaway character. And people just sort of picked up on it. And, uh, and then lo and behold, it's like, you know, last month doing Venus Live. Um, yeah, you know it, it was. Yeah, uh, I, I saw some similar. of that on state, like on YouTube. Yeah, but it's, just... it's it's good actually. My sister's in it. I, she didn't know she came to watch uh, Digi Live, and then uh, um, I pulled her up on stage <laughs> to be a victim of Venus. Um, oh, she's like opened the box. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I still feel. What I, the fuck I, is oh, this? I really, I still feel bad about what happened with Suze Kentner oh, that that dear. night. Oh, she. She opened a, uh, uh, oh God, it was awful. I felt so bad. I'm trying to hold it together as Venus and kind of wanting to, <laughs> just wanting to apologise profusely. I didn't know she had like proper full on like anarachnophobia. Uh, anarachnophobia. An anarachnophobia. <laughs> Do you know what? I've just been doing my other podcast and I'm talking about um, uh album called Anarachnophobia. So, <laughs> so arachnophobia. <laughs> Um, yes, fantastic. Yeah, unironically say though that he is the best Christmas song since uh, East Seventeen. So oh, just, thank yeah. you for that. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. You're very welcome. I I actually revisited that Elephant's Toothpaste video about two about a week ago. <laughs> Ouch! Just fucking in stitches. Yeah, it's still my favourite <laughs> appearance just, by him. It's still it my favourite like, one. This, like debut thing, you. I think you've got the mask on for like eight minutes or something. Yeah, yeah. He's like, take that fucking thing off. You're a grown ass man. Yeah. <laughs> it just fucking got me. Yeah, it's, uh, it just works fantastic. well with, with Gannon hating it. It's just brilliant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. Good stuff. 
Yeah. No. Um, yeah. So yeah. Thank. I mean, we we. I think we could spend all night talking to you mm. about um, you know digitizer and um, you know uh, what you're up to these days and um, you know the the stuff that you've wrote for TV and, and Pudsy the movie maybe. No. Let's save that for another one. Jason went there. <laughs> yeah, it'll save that for further down the line. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, time time has come to an end, unfortunately. But um, thank you again so much, mate. It's You're been very welcome. It's been thank you so, so much. Yeah, really enjoyed it. If, if 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 anyone's listening and they want to check out your stuff, Paul, where where can they go to 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 find all that? Uh, well, uh, the YouTube channel youtube.com slash digitizer with an S, not a Z. Uh, <laughs> and then just uh, depend on when this is going out. If our Kickstarter's still going, do a search for digitizer the show level two, um, and we've got some nice rewards. Uh, all the disgusting rewards are now gone. So um, <laughs> unless you to... decide to add the um, your beard, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Maybe I'll do that on the final. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, yeah back us and you know it'll be a fun journey over the next year sure it'll be a good one definitely um well listeners thank you for joining us as always and we we appreciate you spending your time with us don't forget if you liked what you heard then maybe check out our patreon if you fancy throwing us a quid it would really mean the world to us you'll find a link tree link in the show notes which has all our links including our website twitter handles and more and if you have a few spare minutes, it would be awesome if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts or, or any podcast service. It would really help the show be more discoverable. And I will read out the reviews on the show too. Um, Chris, Rich, any final words before we before we leave? Ooh, um, I, mean, I have to say mock mock. That's all I can say. I have to, <laughs> I have to say that. So. <laughs> well done. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, Chris? Um, I actually am lost for words right now. Wow, that, that <laughs> must that must be a first. Yeah, wow. it could end with b- 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 beans, but that's just hey. uh, you know. the beans. <laughs> the b- beans. There you go. You say I feel dirty now. You made me do it. <laughs> Hashtag Browns. There you go. Yeah. Please <laughs> in. Um, all that's left for me to say is that you've been listening to What's Wrong with Wolfie, a yeah. 90s podcast to the backs. We'll catch you later. Bye bye. See you later. See ya. Wrong with Wolfie. I can hear him barking. <laughs>